0: me, testing, okay, they told me that taking care of two congregation was supposed to be easy. (laughs) And so, um, you know, when I um, did this, I was, um, the selling point from the DS was that you can just do the same sermon for both groups. And so um, that's what I was uh, hoping to do. But, you know, every single week, every single week as I, sit down and uh, to prepare my sermons, to sit down and prepare my messages. I mean, I have topics and things of that sort. I kind of prepare a little list of what I want to talk about, but uh, I also leave myself open to listen to the Holy Spirit, to speak to me, to see what exactly it is that I need to speak about to the church. And oftentimes what I find is that there's always two different messages every single week, and there's, that's that's how it's been all this time. And so, you know what? Something that's relevant to to us here during the English service is not really relevant to the Mongs. and something that's relevant to the Mongs is not really relevant to us. Uh, we are one church, but we are two congregations. Uh, we are two services, two congregations that we are. We are at a different point in terms of our our understanding of church. Our, we are at a different point in terms of our, of our spiritual walk with God. And so it's, re- it's really difficult to just have one message and to, to have one style of teaching for both uh, congregations. So I always have, every single week, I always have to um, prepare two different messages for all of us. and it's, it's uh, The good thing about the Methodists, right, the good thing about the Methodists is that I don't have to go for 45 minutes, you know, <laughs> so not like back to the CMA where they expect you to go for 40 minutes. Here in the Methodist, I can go for 20 minutes, so it gives me a, gives me a little break about that, so you know, that's a wonderful thing. But um, when I think about the journey, when I think about the journey that we've been taking together as a church with the Mongs and and the Anglos, the journey over the past, what, 20 or 30 years together, it reminds me of this story here in Exodus. And it also reminds me of the story of the Mong's journey as we were, you know, running away from the communists in Laos. I remember stories that my parents were telling me when I, when I was a kid, and they used to always tell me about their own journey to the Mekong River. And we used to run, from, we, we used to run away from, from the communists who were coming after us and trying to kill us, and as we were running away from them, we, run, we ran away as, as a family, as a clan, and we we were always together, but along the way, some groups, some families, some people will get left behind. they would get left behind. My, my mother, she became very ill, she became very ill as um, they were on that journey and from their home, homeland, from their village to the Mekong River. and my mother, my father was were left behind by my family because my mother she became very ill, she couldn't continue on that on that journey. But many times as, but you know, the love that we have for each other as as a clan clan, and, and the love that we had for each other as a family, what we do is that first group will make it to the Mekong River and they will wait there. They will wait there and they will send a couple strong men back to go recover the, those who were left behind and to lead those people to the Mekong River. You know, because they have already went, so they know the way. They know the way. And so they would go back and they would try to rescue those those that were left behind. And my fortunately, some of my my father's um, nephews were able to go back and help my father and my mother and help them to the Mekong River. And once you make it to that river, you have to come up with a strategy as to how to cross that river. Because if you come up with the wrong strategy, you'll get shot. And many people, many Hmongs were shot in that river. Many Hmongs died in that river uh, as they were crossing that river. And as I think about this story, and as I think about the story of Exodus, I think about our church and where we're at. For the past 30 years or so, we've been on this journey together as a church. For whatever reason, many of our monks, when I talk to them, they seem to be the group that has been left behind. That has been left behind. And we need to come up, and we needed to really go back and really pull them towards us. Really need to go back and just bring them, bring them to the river and try to rescue them and build them up so that as as we build them up and as we come together that we can make a decision to cross this river together. How are we going to cross this river together? I talked to the Hmongs, one of the things that I noticed I know there's a lot of professionals in the Hmongs, a lot of doctors in the Hmongs dentists, um, pharmacists and and people of, you know different professions in the moment. But even as I was talking to them, even though they're professionals, they stand in all of who we are. They stand in all of exactly who we are. And they see the spiritual side that we have, and they want that so much. But they don't know how to get there. They don't know how to get there. And many times, I mean, they stand in all of us, even to the point that many of them are intimidated by us. They're intimidated. They feel that if they were to stand up here and lead us or something like that, that they don't qualify to do that. That they're not spiritual enough, that they're not mature enough, that they don't know enough to do that. And so they feel that, right? And we know that's not true. We know that's not true. But a lot of times, they feel that way because they stand in all of who we are. In all of who we are. And that's how the monks kind of view us. How kind of to view us. They want to be with, there with us, but they s- just stand and so, so all of who we are. But now we're, we're bringing them, now we're bringing them along. And they're coming along with us. And we're di- identifying the leaders in their groups those who can lead them, those who can help them, those who can encourage them. And so we're building them up and we're pulling them forward. And as they're catching up to us, now we're going to have to make a decision as a church as to how we move forward as a group. Now that we're starting to, they're starting to catch up with us, how are we going to move forward as a church? Because if we don't make that decision, if we don't think about that, we don't reflect upon that, then our past can catch up to us. Just like the Israelites, just like their past was catching up to them. And many times as our past, as we start thinking about our past, you know, maybe, I don't know, Maybe there are some tensions in the past between the congregations. I don't know. I, you know. I've only been here for a year and a half. But whatever it is, if we let that past catch up to us, if we, if we start focusing on that past, the past that in our church, what that's going to cause us is going to cause us more chaos. It's only going to cause us chaos. It's only going to cause us Chaos. Not only is it going to cause us chaos, but many times we might even want to go back to that past. We we might not want to go forward if we keep focusing on the past. We might not even want to go forward. And just like the Israelites, they started complaining to, to, um, to Moses. They started complaining to Moses. And they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? You see, they were resenting the fact that they were at this, that, that, that God has led them to this river. And even though their past, the time that they spent in Egypt, they were slaves. They were slaves in, in Egypt. But even as bad as that was, because they were focusing on that, they wanted to go back to that. Why? Not because it was good, but because it was comfortable for them. It was comfortable for them. And so they wanted to go back to something that was comfortable for them instead of going forward with God. And so that's one of the things that we have to think about is, are we going to focus on the past, whatever it is that happened in our past? Maybe the Mongs did not support us enough. Maybe the Mongs were not there enough for us or whatever it is. If we're going to focus on the past, we're not going to be able to move forward together as a church And that past is going to consume us. And it's going to cause us more and more chaos. And so we have that choice that we have to make. Are we going to focus on the past? Or are we going to focus on God? You see, Moses' response to them was not for them to focus on the past, not to let their past consume them, not for them to return back to their past, not for them to return to those things that were making them comfortable, But Moses started pointing them to God. And he said, he answered the people and he said, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. The the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. You see, he was pointing them directly back to God. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, the first part of that verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. And that word anxious is talking about something that's, that we let control us. It's talking about something that just is tearing us apart from inside, that is tearing us into pieces. It is something that distracts us. And so the Word of God is telling us, do not let those past things, don't let those other things distract you. Don't let those other things distract you. Don't let the past distract you. Don't let it tear you apart. And it continues on. It says, in everything, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request before God. You see, in order for us to cross this river, we need to present what it is to God. Exactly what our desires are for us to grow, to move forward together as a church. And all these things need need to be brought to God and petitions and in prayer. It needs to be brought to God to take care of. We need to ask ourselves, as we are going to move forward together, is why is it that God put us here in Oroville? I ask myself that every day. To be honest with you, I didn't want to come to Oroville. My family was in Marysville. So that's the first place I requested to go to. I wanted to go to Marysville. But God put me here. Why? Why? I don't, you know, so that's something that I have to think about. How about us as a church? God put us here in Orville. You may not want to be here, but that's not the point. The point is, why are you here? And we all need to reflect upon that ourselves. Why didn't God put me in Marysville? Why didn't God put you guys in Chico? Why didn't God plant this church in paradise? Why did God plant this church here in Orville? What is that purpose? What is that purpose? That's something that we really, really, really need to focus on and reflect on as we move forward together as a church. As we're bringing the mongs up with us. And as we're building them up, we're going to move forward together as one church. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says that we need to fix our eyes upon Jesus. We need to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Not upon the things of this world, not about not upon the things that we want to accomplish in this world, but we need to fix our eyes upon Jesus as a model for us, as a model for us to follow, as a one for us to follow, that he was willing to sacrifice himself. He was willing to go on that cross just for us so that we can be restored in the right relationship with, with God. How much of it how much are we willing to sacrifice ourselves for other people? How much are we willing to sacrifice ourselves to build other people up for Christ? How much are we willing to sacrifice ourselves for the Mongs? How much are the Mongs willing to sacrifice themselves for us? How much are we as a church together willing to sacrifice ourselves to help the community here in Oroville? Because our members are not just the people here in this church. Everybody in this town, everybody in this town is a part of our church everybody in this community is a part of our church we are responsible for every single person in this community and so how are we going to reach out to them how are we going to sacrifice ourselves for them as god moves us forward we need to understand from jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 the prophet this is from a letter the prophet wrote to the exiles in babylon and he said for i for I have plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. I want us to understand the context in which Jeremiah was sending this letter to the exiles. You see, because Jer- this, this was not a time of, of happiness, this was not a time of great joy, this was a time of suffering. All we need to do is read Lamentations so we see the sufferings that the Israelites were going through at that time. Their kings were being beheaded. Their prince and their princess were being killed. Their women were being widowed. Their men were being killed. Their children were hungry. They had no place to go. There was no food because they were being defeated by their own enemies. And they were being taken away from their own homeland to become slaves in Babylon. And yet, through this, through this tragedy... Through this tragedy, God is saying to them, I am with you, and I have a plan for you. And even as bad as it seems, I'm going to make everything good for you. Because I have this plan for you, this great, this great, marvelous plan for you. A plan to ensure that you prosper. A plan not to harm you, but to give you a hope and to give you a future. We're not at that point, right? We're not at the point where the Israelites were at. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. But even that, even though we're not at that point, we can also relate to this Bible verse and understand that today, that today, I know many of us are probably thinking to ourselves, what can we do to grow our church? Because we're having many, many of our members are getting ill, they're moving away. What are we going to do? Are we at the end of the road? Where are we at? How are we going to continue going? How are we going to continue across this red sea? Are we? I know, I know that these things worry some of us. But we need to focus on Christ. Just focus ourselves on Jesus Christ. And trust in the word that God has promised us. He has promised us that his plan is not to harm us, but to make sure that we have a hope and a future. And He didn't bring us this far to let us, to let us disappear. He didn't bring us this far to let us die. To let us die. There's many, 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 many great things that God is going to do in this church. We have this year alone, we have, seen, we have, heard, we have heard so many stories of healing in this church. This year alone, even, even as we worry about you know, whether or not we're going to have enough people to help us with our ministries... We continue to see people coming and helping us in our ministries and our ministries and our programs have, have remained successful, have remained successful. From our turkey dinner to our salmon festival to whatever it is that we were doing, to all these programs, they were all successful for us. And sometimes we worry, we worry that these things might not, we might not be able to do these things anymore, but yet God continues to bless us and God continues to provide for us so that we can continue to seek success in our ministry. And so let us continue to focus on God. Let us continue to, to just put our trust in God and to move forward with God. And even when we, it seems like there's no way for us to cross this Red Sea, God is going to split this Red Sea, and he is going to provide dry ground for us, and we are going to get to the other side. We are going to get to the other side and we are going to see things that we have never seen before. We are going to experience things that we have never experienced before. God is doing a mighty great thing among us. God is doing a mighty great thing among us. But in order for us to go, we have to go together as one church. Not as Anglos and not as, as, as Mongols, but as one, one church. One church going together. Thank you. To move forward, we must be willing, and we must be willing, and we must have a desire to grow. We really must have a desire to grow. Not just talk about it, but we must have that desire to grow. And this means that we need to have a willingness to seek for new ways of doing ministry. We have to have that willingness to seek for it. And we have to have that willingness to shift our focus and to accept certain changes that we need to do in order for us to move forward together as a church, as one church. We need to look to these things. We need to begin to identify who we are. Yes, we are one church with two languages. But what is the purpose of the Hmong ministry here in our church? Why have we been supporting the Hmong ministry for the last 30 years? Right. and So we have to think about that. Because many churches have different ideas for their ethnic ministries, whether it's, you know, Fijian ministries inside their church, whether it's Filipino ministry, uh, Mexican ministry, Latino ministries, or whatever ethnic ministry is supported by their church, each church has a different idea for their ethnic ministry. So us as a church, what is our purpose for the Hmong ministry? Why have we been supporting them for the last 30 years? I know a lot of times they can't support us in return. I know that but we've been supporting them for the past 30 years. Why? Are we supporting them so that one day they can go out and and have their own church? Is that the purpose? Or are we supporting them so that they can grow up with us and one day that they will will be in the same groups with us, that they will do ministry with us, and they will be one church with us, and that together we will be able to move forward together as one group. So we have to think about things like that. Why are we supporting the Hmong ministry? Many of them don't know why they're here. Many of the younger younger ones don't know why they're here. They just just grew up in the church. And that's something that we we all need to come together and think about. And we all need to share that vision. I know in the past, I've talked to some of the leaders in the Hmong congregations in the past, and some of their ideas was that they want to go out and start their own church. Some of them were thinking like that. But that is, that, is not, that is not the purpose that the, that the bishop has for us, and that is not the purpose that the DS has for us. Their purpose for us is for us to grow together to become one church. Now do we, as a church, do we share in that same purpose? Do we share in that same idea? That we want to support them so that one day, one day we can grow together, we can keep moving forward as one church. Or are we simply here to support them so that one day we can send them out and so that they can have their own church? What is it? Why Why are we supporting this? We also need to understand our mission. Our mission here in the Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. We need to understand exactly what is it that we want to become as a church. And I wrote something, a very simple thing here. Something that is at my heart. And we can take this and we can think about it. And we can, you know, um, fix it and revise it. But what I want for us is for us to be a church that provides Christ-centered, Christ-centered discipleship to every family. Every family in the Orville community through the teaching of the Word of God. So that their lives will be transformed to be like Christ. And that their desires will be to fulfill the, the Great Commission. So that they will participate passionately in expanding the kingdom of God through serving in our local church here. Here, the First United Methodist Church. We want them to understand the Great Commission. We want them to understand the Christian life. We want them to, to be passionate about these things. About just expanding the kingdom of God. And we want them to be able to, we want to be a church that's open enough to allow them to do that through our church. Through our church. So is, it, is, is something like that? Is that what we want to become as a church? Is that what we want to do as a church? We also need to start seeing worship as a time of celebration, as a time of celebration, not just as a time of getting together and just going through the motions, but worship is a time of celebration. We're celebrating God's blessing to us. We're celebrating God's love for us. We need to become a church that's focused outward an outward-focused church. It's not so much about what I want. It's not so much about what I'm comfortable with, but we need to focus more on what can we do to bring people to Christ. What do I need to sacrifice? What do I need to do to bring others to Christ? What do I need to do to build others for Christ? It becomes about trying to reach out to other people instead of just focusing on what we want, instead of just focusing on what we are comfortable with. We need to start investing in discipleship. We're not here to maintain a religious organization. We're not here to maintain a church. But we are here to make disciples for Christ. So we need to start investing in that. That's why I purchased a whole set of curriculums for the Sunday, for the Sunday school, for the children. Because we, needed, we need to, to, to teach our children. We need something that's consistent there to teach our children so that that way our children will grow. And as they grow, they'll become a part of the church. And they'll start serving as the church as they get older. We need to work hard to build up our Hmong ministry. We really do. We need to get involved in the Hmong ministry. As much as the Hmongs need to get involved in the Anglos, the Anglos also need to get involved in the Hmongs. And I would like to see us attending meetings with them also. When they have their business meetings, when they have... have, um, You know, there their choir practices and things of that sort. I would like to see us attend that. And even if we don't understand a word, just being there is something that would support them greatly. And so um, we need to start participating with them also. As we try to bring them to participate with us. We also need to start, one of the long-term goals of mine is, I want to see some small group ministries and leaders in our church. Because this is how the Methodist Church grew in the first place was through small groups, and as Methodist Church we have kind of gone away from that. We've kind of gone away from that. The Baptists, the other denominations, CMA's churches—they've adopted. They've adopted that, and they they've used small group ministries in their churches to reach out to the community. But this idea of small group really came from us, from the Methodists, from John Wesley. And so we need to go back to our roots. We need to go to our roots. and We need to start having some small group ministries and identifying leaders who can lead these small group ministries. And the purpose of the small group is that as as it grows to more than 10 or 11 people, that we need to split it up, create more leaders to reach out to, to the community. And the more small groups that we have, the more we're able to reach out to other people. And many people in these small groups will probably become pastors and leaders for our church. That's what we really want to do. There are different types of small groups, but normally it falls down to three types. First is the affinity groups. These groups are based upon common interests and hobbies and things of that sort. Now these groups don't really build people up spiritually, but they are a good way to just get people involved in the church. They are a good way to just... Build relationship with other people. These groups can be groups such as a cooking club, a hunting club. I know Doug loves to hunt, and so, you know, like a hunting club or something like that. We can have groups like this in the church to just build relationship. I know a lot of times when we think about small group, we think about study groups that are curriculum-based. And these are great groups to have, Bible study groups. I know Pastor Bob, we were talking about, about doing a small Bible study group, and Pastor Bob was actually able to do that. And I came in um, last Wednesday, and there was a lot of people there, which is good. And so we need to start expanding on that. You know, and the, the the whole goal of, of these small groups, is not for the pastor to continue leading them, but for you, yourself, the laity, to grow and to be able to lead them. And then there's the groups that that the Methodists we used to use are transformational groups. And these groups are groups in which you come together and you actually focus on changing your own life. You actually focus on talking about your experiences with God, your experience in your faith. And these groups will hold us accountable to help us practice the things that 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 John Wesley wanted us to practice. And we'll go over that at a different time. But um, we hold us, ourselves accountable to each other and encourage us to keep practicing those things, such as fasting, Bible studies, and things of that sort. And so some of these things are things that we need to live forward to, and we really need. And as we move forward, we really need to uh, pray. We really need to pray and ask God to guide us. I see God opening the doors for us, and I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited about it. I don't know if you guys are excited about it, but I'm very, very excited about the things that God is going to do through this church. And God is, lifting you know, a lot of our young couples and the monks are starting to become very active in the church again. And they're going to become part of our, our ministry. And they're going to start...